It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I am your host, Carmen Herbert, and I am so excited to have Jessica Fru on the podcast today. So Jessica and I literally just met backstage <laughs> three minutes ago, and I feel like, oh, good, I'm we're totally vibing. Like, I feel like I'm already connected to you, and I'm so excited to talk with you. So for those of you who don't know Jessica, she is a mom, a wife, an ex-wife, a stepmom, and a bold action taker. And I'm excited to talk to you about why you put a wife, a mom, and an ex-wife in your bio. <laughs> so this is going to be fun, but maybe as I read on, you guys will be able to kind of understand why. So she has a successful podcast herself called Husband-in-Law that she records with her husband, Matt, and her ex-husband, Steve. Together, they're sharing their stories of love, marriage, coming out, divorce, remarriage, and co-parenting to help others know they are not alone. They also own The Bold Logic, a company devoted to helping people go from living in an I should mindset to taking bold action toward keeping and reclaiming their sense of self. That's awesome. Jessica is a firm believer that by knowing and understanding what it is you really want in life, you can boldly create a life you love no matter what your circumstances. Okay. And check out her Instagram. It's husband-in-law. Okay. So Jessica, let's talk about your, first of all, the, and I can never remember the word, the handle, husband-in-law. When I first was like trying to figure out, I'm like, what is that? What does that mean? I don't understand. What is a husband-in-law? Tell us a little bit about your background, that handle, and why you put an ex-wife in your bio. Yes. So husband-in-law comes actually from a dream that my ex-husband had. If we want to go to the very beginnings of the term. And he was in this dream introducing my husband to one of his friends. Like they were out and he's trying to introduce my husband in this dream. And he's like, you know, you always say, oh, this is my friend. This is my coworker. This is whoever. And I was like, how do I introduce Matt? And he's like, well, he's my husband-in-law, of course. Like, <laughs> because we have <laughs> that kind of relationship where, and they now refer to each other as husband-in-laws. Oh my goodness. Uh, we all get along. And actually like a couple months ago, Matt and Steve started working together. So even beyond our podcast and all that, I mean, my husband owns business and Steve, he just brought Steve on to work for him. But we, so I, I am an ex-wife and I feel like that's a title I own. It's come in our community and especially within the church, we often have this idea that, you know, divorce is frowned upon. And it is like, ideally we keep our families intact and I get that and I understand that. But when it came time for me to realize that my marriage was over, it was like, all right, I have to rethink this term and how I view it. I have to rethink divorce and I have to rethink the idea I'm going to be an ex-wife. And so now I honestly can say that it is one of the things I am the most proud of in my life is the relationship that I have with my ex-husband, the fact that I am an ex-wife and that we've been able to make this work. And it's crazy to me to think about now the journey we've been on and and we've we've come through and all of those things to make that a positive thing in my life. But I was married to my first husband for seven years. We had a daughter about five years into that marriage. And 
I should go back about a year into that marriage, he came to terms with the fact he was gay. And he's like, I don't want to leave you. I don't want to leave the church. I don't want to leave. Like, I'm happy where I am. If you're okay, I want to continue forward. And I did tons of reading. I dove into a lot of books and I was like, I'm fine with this. Like, we're happy. And um, I understand where this might lead in the future because I knew, you know, eventually he might want to live true to this side of himself. But we continue forward. We had a daughter and eventually, yes, he ended up having an affair and we tried to work through that. It was a mess and we ended up getting divorced and we had to figure out our lives from that point on. Like, what did we really want? How did we really want to show up to life? And that's really when we started rethinking our life and how we view our life. I mean, it kind of started when I realized I was married to a gay man, but then it continued and was perpetuated forward in the fact that I was getting divorced and everybody knew now that he was gay and all of those things. And then it continued when I got remarried of realizing that I couldn't have the same relationship with my husband's ex as I had with my ex and really having to mourn that relationship, mourn another loss of a relationship I thought I was going to have. and rethink how I show up to my current situation, my stepkids' lives, how I engage with them, um, and then also how I how I engage with her and just all of those things. So, yeah. So there's the origin of husband law, the long story of it, and where it all came from and where we're at now. Well, and what a unique situation that you are in. And I feel like because of your unique situation, you can relate to so many different people, the women that are divorced and that have been through that loss and grief in their life, the women that have either married or, or dated or fell in love with a gay man that either didn't know at first or, or wasn't ready to accept that and then and then came out not having a good relationship or, or trying to establish a relationship with a new marriage and, and, and with his ex-wife. And I mean, you're relatable to so many different people, which is why your podcast is so amazing because it does give people hope that, listen, you can be happy. You can live a beautiful, bold, full life, no matter what you've been dealt with in life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing that makes it relatable is that we all have relationships, right? What it comes down to is relationships, knowing yourself and trying to understand what you really want out of life. And that is shocking to me how many people don't know what it is they really want. Um, And then, yeah, and knowing themselves well enough to understand that and and how that looks for them. Do you feel like your divorce with Steve was a catalyst for discovering what you really wanted in life? Or have you always lived your life boldly and 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 know what you want and went for it? Or do you feel like you kind of had to rethink everything and completely change your mindset after that? I think that knowing myself started at a very young age when most people didn't know who they are, or what they wanted. I always felt sure in who I was and where I was going. And thinking back to my teen years, I mean, that was something that was so ingrained in me that it was okay to be who I was. And it was okay to want different things than everybody else and not, and not fit this mold that we, everybody I was watching everybody try to cram themselves into as we do in high school and junior high, right? Like you just want to fit in. And I never felt that pressure. And I honestly believe it came down to a lot of what my parents taught me growing up. But my dad always told me to be bold. And he would tell me that when I was thinking about, okay, well, what do I want for myself right now? How do I show up to this situation? And whenever I felt like I was struggling to figure out if I was doing this for me or for somebody else, 
he would always come back and be like, you got to be B, Jessica, you got to be bold. And so it stuck with me. It's so ingrained in me to think, okay, what does this look like for me in this moment? How do I show up to life in this moment for me that's going to feel right and good and speak to my soul? And so it's just gotten amplified. And like it started, like I said, when I realized Steve was gay and all of these things, these moments of moving forward has just increased it and made me realize I can help people do this as well. I can help teach this and, and show love to people along the way. Like Steve's actions could have ruined me. Like I could have allowed that to to take away my sense of self, to make me believe that I'm not of worth. But instead I was able to see, okay, I can love this person still and show him love and support when he's going through something very similar and honestly more real for him of, and maybe not more real, that's not quite the right word, but very real to him of realizing he's a gay man in the LDS church and how does he now reconcile his life of what he always thought it would look like and realizing that there was space for both of us to rethink our lives and to find that joy and peace and be who we felt called to be. And so I think it's amazing that your dad kind of coined this phrase and that you're carrying it on, be bold. I think that's beautiful that your dad instilled in you from a young age that it's okay to be bold. It's It gave you permission to be strong. So when the time came that you needed to kind of draw on that well of strength. Like, oh, but my dad already told me I can. And I've been practicing yeah. it my whole life, so I can do it. So let's talk a little bit about that. When you when you did find out that your husband was gay and when when you eventually got a divorce, did your husband choose to stay in the church or has he since left? So he stayed for a little while. And he, I mean, honestly, he moved right in with the guy that he had the affair with, like they ended up living together and he went to church sporadically through that. But then about, I don't know, six months after our divorce, actually, I think it was like three or four, he came to me and he's like, Hey, I'm, I can't do this. Like, I don't want to leave you. I don't want to leave the church. Like, I don't know what to do. I, I feel so lost. And I, and we were officially divorced at this point. And I was like, listen, if you want to come back for me, like if you are talking about this, we were living in different states. I was like, you need to move back now and let's figure this out. So he stayed active the whole time we dated again post-divorce um, and and tried to find himself within that. And it just didn't, it didn't feel right for him. And so he is not active at this point. Um, he is there when my daughter, when our daughter performs in church, she's a singer and he's there when she got baptized and he is there for all the things. If she's singing for father's day, he shows up like it's awesome. Um, so he's very supportive in her of what she wants and how that looks for her. Uh, and we both talked to her a lot about doing what feels right to you. Like we will both be there to support you in whatever that looks like for you. So, um, so yeah, that's where he is now. He's not bitter, angry at the church. He totally kind of sees like this idea that, you know, it, it made me into who I am. Like if I hadn't gone through these experiences, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't have my daughter. I wouldn't be, I have this relationship with me. And so he's kind of, he's come a long ways. That is, that must've been, and still is incredibly difficult to to grow up in the church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and um, and then reconcile that, but with the fact that that you that you are gay, and mm-hmm. does what does that mean for me? Because of course we know it in in our church what we believe about eternal families and men and women getting married, and and you know what we believe, and that must have been 
incredibly difficult for him to to reconcile that. And I'm sure that's why he kind of went back and forth between, but what what feels right to me isn't what my head is saying and, and what I've been taught and I don't know what to do. And I believe that Heavenly Father allows so much room for love and grace. And I I I recently heard the phrase instead of black, white and gray area, black, white and grace area. Yeah. And I think that is a beautiful way of of these situations where it's like, okay, but, but now what, and how do I, how do I live true to, to, to the life that, that, that I want to, or, or that I think I should with the teachings and, and my beliefs. And I don't know, I, some of these things, I feel like we're not, we might not figure them out here. We can try to, but we might not. And, and that's where the grace and the love and understanding comes in because you really just don't know what someone is going through and their inner turmoil and, and, and I mean, how difficult would that be to leave your wife and daughter? I mean, I'm sure that was not an easy decision for him either to do yeah. that. And so and so I think it's just really incredible that you did choose forgiveness and that grace area. I mean, that you have an incredibly strong relationship and that you're working together and that you, I mean, that really is incredible, Jessica. It really, truly is. And what an example for your daughter of listen, like life is not going to turn out how you, it it probably will rarely turn out how you think it will. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what do we do in those situations? And you have chosen, okay, we're going to be bold and we're going to live our life a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking to that and watching him go through that, like I was so close to him and knew so much about his struggles that I, I saw that pain firsthand. Like I, I watched him fight and I watched him cry and I watched him struggle to be who he thought he should be. And so I think that made it easier to love and accept this path that he has chosen. And I fully agree that there is so much that we don't understand about the grace of God. And I see this man now and I'm like, he is an amazing dad. He is my biggest fan. Like truly, I just feel like he's there by my side, pushing me to be my best self, just as my husband is. And there's so much good in him that I'm like, I'm sorry, this isn't just going to be discounted because he's gay and because he left the church, even if he wasn't gay and left the church. Like, I just feel like there's just so much we don't know and understand in that. So I, when, when you speak about that, it speaks to my soul. <laughs> oh, well, I, I think that it's incredible. The relationship, like I said, that, that you, that you have you three, well, you four with your daughter too. And what is your daughter's relationship with your new husband? So it's been interesting to watch that process um, grow and develop. And there were times, you know, of um, in the beginning, mine and Matt's relationship was very hard. Like it, I understood a weekend as soon as we got home from our honeymoon, why second marriages fail. Like it was oh. just like, oh my gosh, there is so much and it's just so much to take on and understand. And you're carrying a lot that ideally you've dealt with. You think you've dealt with more from your first marriage. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't deal with this. Uh, yep. <laughs> and and I think for my husband, that hit like as soon as we said I do. Like literally as soon as we were married. And I could feel it. I felt the shift in it. Oh, wait. Yes. And so that I think impacted how he and my daughter bonded at first because she's very intuitive to how people are feeling and what's going on. And so she, I remember once towards the beginning of our marriage, like things were getting rocky and Matt, our our daughters slept in the same room. They shared a room. They're a year and a half apart and they thought it was super fun. Yes. Um, but 
Matt would go in at night and say goodnight to, my, to his daughter, and then he would leave the room and not say anything to Penny. And I remember Penny, oh. and I, I watched it happen, and I knew it wasn't because he didn't care. Yeah, I just knew he was so into where he was at and so emotionally drained because he was dealing with all of these things that he just couldn't do anymore. Uh-huh. And Penny came to me and talked to me about it. She's like, mommy, this just, it makes me feel sad. And, and I said, okay, Penny, I'm going to challenge you to do something hard. I said, I want you every night that this happens, you have permission to get out of your bed, to go find Matt and you tell him good night and whatever else you want to say. If you want to say you love him, give him, say that. If you want to give him a hug, you're allowed, like, it's up to you, but I want you to go tell him good night. I said, oh do you goodness. think you can do that? And she's like, yeah, I can, I can do that. And I said, okay. And she did like, she just started. And I think it opened this door to remind him that, you know, this little, this little girl wants you, like she wants to be a part of your life. And he is such a great dad, an amazing stepdad. But I feel like, you know, we get so caught up in our own things that sometimes we don't see how we're impacting the ones we love the most. And so sometimes as the person being impacted, we got to just open that door just a little bit. And I thought, you know what, if I didn't, if I didn't know he wouldn't respond like positively, I wouldn't have pushed her to do that. But I knew, I knew who he was and I knew it would open this door for them. And he does not hesitate. Like it became a pattern for him to then say goodnight to Penny. It took a little bit, but she watched that change happen. And I think that's such a powerful lesson for her to learn, even as this little itty bitty kid. I mean, she was like three or four. Oh my goodness. And so it's like this lesson to be learned, but they began to get closer together and started understanding each other. And that takes time and that's okay. And it was so fun to watch them do that. And the thing that really made it work was Steve was also supportive of that. He always told Penny, I'm glad that you have fun with Matt. I am happy that you love him. I don't want you to live in a home where you don't feel like you can love Right. The father figure that's there. You also right. need to respect him. Like there were lots of conversations like that that supported Matt in that. And so it really helped wow. them get closer together. And I have to say, the day that I think really bonded them and brought them close together was the day Penny was baptized. And it gets me all emotional thinking about it every time. But, you know, here we are going into this day that looked nothing like I had planned. My dad's not active in the church anymore. Penny's Penny's dad is active in the church. And those were the two people that she was like, well, can't, can't my dad baptize me? And I was like, you know, he can't, which she knew, but, um, and she's like, well, what about Gramps? Can Gramps baptize me? I was like, no, that's, that's not an option either because he's, you know, he's not active and he can be in the prayer circle. Like you can invite him to the prayer circle. Our our stake president said that was totally fine. And it's like, okay, okay. And I was like, so these are the people, my, your uncles, your other grandpa like Matt or or Steve's dad, you have all these options. And she's like, well, I want Matt to do it. And I said, okay, you go ask Matt. And it was truly such a bonding experience for them. And I am so grateful now that it worked out the way it did and that they got this experience. And ever since then, like I just watched the two of them and they're so close. And I should say too, like Matt's kids aren't baptized. And so it was like a unique experience for both of them Wow, to have that connection. And so anyways, that's, they're, they're great. They have their own funny little relationship. They mess with each other all the time and it brings (laughs) them so much joy. How beautiful. I'm, thank you so much for sharing that experience. What, what an incredible, you know, like you said, bonding experience for them and to realize that they, 
now they have this really special, unique thing in common mm-hmm. that they can look back and yeah. this memory that they can always have and look back on. I saw a picture that you posted on Instagram of that day and it just, it, it just looked beautiful. Like, look at this amazing family that's just doing their best and trying to make things work. And, and you are, you, you are. And, but I, I'm so glad that you brought up the point that relationships take work and that even from a very young age, your little three-year-old, you were teaching her that you don't just say, well, forget him. He's a jerk, you know, or get mad. And you could, and you could so easily have said, you need to be nicer to my daughter. Like, why aren't you treating her this? It could have gone. And, and maybe you did think that. And, and I, I for sure would have, but, (laughs) but instead you said, okay, but how can we make this work? And I think so many times it's you give up or you get mad, you give up or you get mad Mm -hmm. instead of no, you get down and dirty and you make it work. And that's something that you taught your daughter. And because of that, she felt bold enough to ask him to Mm -hmm. baptize her. I think that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's something we get so hung up on is if I get angry or if I, whatever our response is to the situation, then that's going to help fix it. And I always feel like I am very much of the mindset that, okay, I am in this situation. It's a relationship I want to work on. Like there's, there's some situations and relationships you realize you do need to walk away. Not worth the time, not worth your sanity, not healthier. Right. Yes. It's healthier for everybody. But instead like, okay, I can't change this person. Like I can't, me yelling at them isn't going to change them. Having a conversation is effective. Like you should have conversations around it. But I knew where Matt was at. I knew where Penny was at. And I knew, you know, like knowing this little act of her going to say goodnight to him is going to soften his heart. And this is what's going to be more powerful than me saying, hey, dude, you're treating my daughter like crap, where he's already feeling like crap. And I knew he felt like crap. And so that was way more powerful for him to just have her, this little itty bitty girl come up and say, good night, Matt, you know, and, and it did change the trajectory of their relationship. And so I think that's something we have to remember that, okay, I want to yell right now and I want to be angry. And sometimes that's totally fine. Right. But also think of this another way of, okay, but how could I address this in a way that brings more love that shows them that that it's not making them feel worse about themselves, but instead Mm -hmm. like realizing there's people that love them and want them in their lives and are looking for that love. So that's really something I've, like I said, I've tried to teach my daughter and I've tried to live in my life. I think more than anything this past year, that is what I've, the biggest lesson I've learned is that even though it feels really good to get mad. And even if I am completely justified, like what the person did to me was honestly awful and they deserve the mean words or the yelling in my mind. Yep. And I'm like, you deserve this. And, and yeah. I'm justified in feeling this way. You wronged mm-hmm. me in a big way. That the biggest thing I've learned is that I I always regret it. I, I never feel better. Even if in that moment, it's like, have you seen You've Got Mail? Yeah. One of my very favorite scenes is he's like, I have to tell you, the moment you say exactly what you want to say, the way you want to say it, remorse inevitably follows. Yep. And it's so true. As soon as I zing him, you know, he said, as soon as Uh you zing him and you zing that person and then you don't feel better because, because it's not promoting that love that you talk about. It's, it it just, it just builds more of that barrier. And it's so hard sometimes to be the one to be like, okay, I'm going to show love, but I don't want to show love. So how, 
how would you, what advice would you give someone that's like, how do I train myself to do that? How do I start doing that? Because I don't know how. So I actually have a journal that is kind of focused on this exact idea and it goes through and kind of teaches you these habits, like to create this as a habit in your mindset so that you start thinking about things a little differently. And the idea is basically just asking yourself powerful questions, like going back into your own feelings and thoughts and thinking, okay, why is this getting to me? Why am I uncomfortable with this situation or this relationship? What is it that's really triggering me? I'm not a big fan of the word trigger, but yes, yes, but that's exactly what it is. Why, why do I feel uncomfortable? What's bothering me? And then it also asks like, okay, how could I rethink this situation? How might the other person be feeling? Like, what are they feeling that's causing them to act this way towards me? Um, And how do I do this in a way that's going to be done with love. Like how, how can I do this in a way that shows love for myself first, yes. but also for this person? Because I am a firm believer you have to show love for yourself first. That doesn't mean you stay in a crappy situation. That doesn't mean you just keep pushing when it's not working. Um, but knowing how far you can push, how, like what feels right for you to get there and creating space and all those things. Anyways, I, I firmly believe in asking yourself powerful questions that you start rethinking how you show up and and recognizing that, okay, what was my part in this too? Like, how did I contribute and how could I have done that better? Like the way I responded maybe wasn't the best. How could I have responded in a better way and then start processing that? Cause then you start showing up in a better way. Then you start responding in a way that's effective. I always say that I go back to a situation and I think, okay, what do I really want out of this? Like, what is it that's the most important thing to me? And this started when Steve, Steve came to me a few days before we got married and said, Hey, I I've got pornography problems. I need you to know this before we get married. And this is like literally three days before we're getting married. Oh and I'm my like, goodness. okay. And I remember thinking in that moment, okay, what do I want out of this conversation? Like, this is the man I'm going to marry or I'm, thinking I'm going to marry. How do I want to set the precedent for these conversations in our marriage? Like that's what this ultimately comes down to, right? Is how I want to continue forward. And I want him to come talk to me. I don't want him to feel worse about himself because the worse he feels, the less he's going to open up to me. So I want him to feel loved out of this conversation. And so because the more he feels loved, the more he's going to tell me. And so yeah. it is almost like a selfish thing, but it's not because it goes both ways. Like, it's so true. Bad. It's so, so true. I think that it's so selfish, but it's not because it genuinely was done in love. Like I genuinely wanted to see him to see what a good person he was still. And I wanted him to come to me with those conversations. And that's yes. why he came to me when he realized he was gay. It's because we had set this precedent that it was okay to have these hard conversations yes, and to be have well. that pattern, right? Yes, I was going to respond with love. I wasn't right. just going to say I'm out of here, but we're going to work through it together. And what so a I- good, what a good, um, not analogy. What's the right word? Um, what a good thing to teach your children. What's the word I'm looking for? Yes. Like that's, to just to, the example of that. The example of that for your kids that this is how because you're used to doing that with your husband. That's how you respond with your kids because it's so easy to push your kids away. And you did what? Ew, why? You're that's so wrong. And shame them. And like you said, the more you respond with love in the hardest situations, 
the more they'll come. There's a scene, there's a movie with, I don't even know, Steve Martin and Queen Latifah. I can't remember. I watched it on TV a long time ago. <laughs> and she's like, dad, because I know you love me and you won't judge me. I'm going to tell you. And she tells him, I mean, she unloads and yeah. you see him after screaming into a pillow because ah! it was so, like, what did you do? But she's like, thank you, dad, for allowing me the, the the courage to be able to come to you with all of this, knowing that you will still love me and respond in love. Yeah. And yep. so what is this journal? So it's called have? the Boldology Journal, okay. which when you get the journal, you become a boldologist. And that means you're studying the art of being bold. Love and it. Um, yeah, it's called the Boldology Journal. And you can find it like if you go to our Instagram, it's you. there's a link in the handle and all of that. But mm. it's really just this idea of, yeah, show, changing how you show up because you do want to create relationships where people can talk to you. You want to be that safe space. I love, that's always my thing is you want to be a safe space for people yes. to be themselves. And, and by being yourself, by me being who I am, I have yes. created that space and seen that grow for years of how people will come to me with their, with the things they're struggling with to tell me what it is and to seek help and, and even just to have somebody to listen without judging of, right. hey, you know, I'm, this is your thing. You got to decide how you want to show up, but I'm here to bounce ideas off of, or for you to vent or whatever. I'm not going to judge, I'm not going to judge the other person that's involved. Um, because I know I don't want people to judge my husband if I just need to like vent for a bit because yes. he's a great guy, Yes, but we all make mistakes. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, I really believe in, and it was interesting to me when I created the Boldology Journal, and I really wasn't planning on pushing this, but this is like something that is real. Like when I created it, I put it out there, I wrote down all the things and I'm very much like, you get it done, you do it. It's not going to be perfect. Put it out there. And it is not perfect. There are some spelling errors and things in there and we're <laughs> revamping it right now. But I knew if I didn't do it, it wouldn't be out there. And after I did it, we were recording on the podcast and Matt challenged Steve and I to go back and read our old journals of when we were getting divorced and after Steve had the affair and all of these Ooh. things. And then I started reading into when Matt and I got married. And that was almost harder for me to reread and to re-experience than the divorce. And as I was reading these, I had written in my journal all of these like 10 years ago, almost the exact word for word questions I put in the Boldology journal. And I didn't even know it. No. And way. I was like, this is why this works and why I believe in it so firmly is because these are questions I have asked myself for years and have really gotten me through the hardest times in my life oh my when goodness. I would have lost who I was yes. and what I believed and, and my value and self-worth. And yeah, it kept me grounded and aware of who I was and what I was worth. So I truly believe in it and there's power in it. So, so you've kept a journal. Is this something you've done your whole life? Have you always been a journal writer? Yeah, I think pretty consistently starting in like ninth grade. Wow. But very consistently, for sure, like 18 and on. Like it's just, there was a time I stopped a couple years into mine and Matt's marriage because I felt it was so, it had taken just too much negativity because I was in such a negative place with our marriage and things that I didn't want that to be all that was recorded there. And I was struggling so hard to find the positive that I stepped back, but then it takes back up. And, and during that time, I still journaled about like conference talks or things like that. So there's kind of like a little bit of a journal in there, but not like a day to day 
thing. <laughs> yeah. That's so, so interesting. I, I, I would love to get back into, I was the opposite. I was super consistent from like ages 11 to 18. Oh, really? Then when I got married, it was like, stressful and overwhelming. And I would, I would write down the fights that we had sometimes. Yeah. And so you do, you look back and I'm like, it just sounds like we fought all the time, but yeah. we didn't. And so I kind of stopped too. like, okay, I need to, because I didn't feel like I wanted to talk to my mom or sisters about guess what he did because they remember that while I forgive him, yes. they remember the, the bad. And I didn't want that. <laughs> so I went to my journal. I'm like, well, I don't want this to be like a documentation of just like all of our fighting. So I kind of took a step back, but I, I totally believe in the power of writing things down and holding yourself accountable and really, like you said, kind of dissecting. It's like your, your own personal therapist. Like, why am I yes. acting this way? What yep. can I do to change it? And just brainstorming and things mm -hmm. just kind of, oh, okay. Like we'll settle in and kind of Tetris together that you yeah. can start to figure out the whys of how you're acting. And I was going to ask you, I think it's so interesting that you said that people just come to you and they talk to you and share their story with you. Have you found that throughout your life? Like people just naturally feel like they want to open up to you and say yep. things. Yeah, it's been my whole life. And I think I latched onto that again as a teen of realizing that people felt safe with me. And I loved that they felt like I loved the feeling of them feeling safe. Like I loved that I could give that to people. And I realized that that was something I felt Heavenly Father had called me to do, to create yes. safe space for people. And so I've really leaned into that of, I keep confidences. You can tell me anything. It doesn't go anywhere unless like, you know, if somebody were being abused or something, that's a different of course. story. But, yes. um, but yeah, just like people being a sounding board for people to find who they are and to I understand what they're feeling. I think, yeah, it's just something that's, always been there. And I realized it more um, when Steve and I were going through all those things. And we actually went to a bunch of support groups like the um, addiction support groups. And so I was a facilitator for those after like, oh, wow. going through those and realizing that this was a place I could even like grow that. And now I'm doing for that sure. even more with our platform of being able yes. to create this safe space where people can come and figure out who they are and what it is they want and reclaim their sense of self. So, yeah. So how can people do that, Jessica? How can people reclaim who they are? Do you feel like this is something that gets lost along the way and, and why, and then how can people kind of go back to the essence of who they are and, and be bold enough to live that life that they've always wanted and be authentic to themselves. What tools do you have for them? So um, I, what I always stress is the first step to reclaiming your sense of self is getting to know yourself again. And for some people, that's really hard and painful. And I was just in like a, a coaching, a one-on-one -on -one call the other night. And the lady's like, I was trying to do my vision board because she was, she's my course and she's drawing up her vision board. She's like, I have no idea what I want. Oh. I have lost myself in being a mother, in a wife, in whatever roles we play that I've, I've forgotten what it is I really want. And this is the common thing I hear over and over again. I don't know what it is I want. I don't know who I am. I don't know what brings me joy. And so that's really where you have to start. And mm -hmm. I, I encourage people like you, you do that by letting go of what anybody else thinks. 
You're not doing this for anybody else. Think of what you want without anybody else in mind. Of course, you want to be a good mom. I often speak to moms, all of those things. And that's going to be part of this. Like, it's not saying that you're walking away from your family. And this is just creating a vision of what you want. This is just getting an idea of who you are. So don't worry about any of those things because you have to tune into who it is you are. And once you start listening to that voice telling you, this is this is what you want. This is the thing. Once you start listening to yourself again, you're going to start speaking to yourself more and more often. And you're going to hear that voice louder and louder saying, hey, hey, this isn't okay. This isn't okay. This isn't what you really want. Don't say yes to this. Yeah. And I tie that back to um, whatever you believe in, in a divine, in God or whoever speaking to you through yourself. Like I truly believe that that's the universe telling us what we need. That's God speaking to our souls saying, hey, I gave you desires and insights for a reason. I made you who you were for a reason. And now you need to listen. You need to tune into that person. And the more you listen to to yourself, the more you're going to speak to yourself and see what it is you want. So that's really the first step that I always tell people go figure out what it is you want. And I do have a free workbook for this as well that you can go and pick up that free workbook that's just this initial step of trying to understand yourself and what you want. And that's on the link tree too that people can go from your Instagram page, husband-in-law, click on the link tree and they can download this book. So I would like to ask one one more quick question. I feel like I could I could talk to you all day. I have so many more. I'm like, we need to do a follow-up podcast because there's so many more things I want to ask you and talk about. But I would like to know how you have kept your relationship with your father in heaven strong through all of this. Because I think that it would be easy to say, what's the point? And look at my marriage and 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 look what happened. And and then having a hard time with Matt and then trying to co-parent with your daughter and especially with the whole, you know, with the LGBTQ community and and supporting your husband, but also feeling like uh, staying true to your faith. And maybe you're still balancing this, but, but how has your relationship with your heavenly father helped balance this unique life that you're living in? What would you say to people that have a gay son, a gay daughter that have maybe been through a divorce like you because of a gay spouse, gay parent, what advice would you get them of, of getting through and and still feeling that love for them and your father in heaven? That was a lot of questions. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to start with keeping my relationship with Heavenly Father. Yes. And part of that comes from, like I said, knowing who I know who you are. For me, at the core of knowing who I am is knowing that I'm a daughter of my Heavenly Father. And it goes back to that young woman's theme, who loves me and I love him. And I'm sorry, but when you truly lean into that understanding of knowing that you are a daughter of Heavenly Father and that He loves you, then you know your worth and you're not going to question it. And you're not going to let somebody push you around because you really understand that you are divinely created as you are for a reason by a Heavenly Father that loves you. And I just cannot think of anything more powerful the knowing and understanding that my yeah. husband always makes fun of me because I have this song stuck in my head and now I'm not going to come up with it. And I hum it and I sing it all the time. And it's a primary song. Oh my gosh. But it's, I cannot come up with it right now, but it's totally those lines of, I know my father lives and loves me. Too. That's what it yes. is. Yes. And, and I sing that all the time. And Matt just laughs at me and I'm like, but it's like reaffirming to me and I do it without thinking yes. about it. But I think it's so ingrained in me that 
I am of great worth because I am a daughter of God. It does not matter if I make mistakes. It does not matter if I fall. He loves me as I am. Yes. Where I am right now, how I am showing up, I am not here to be perfect. I am here to do my best. And exactly. that's all I can do. And he's not going to fault me for not showing up perfectly. So that is really where that comes from. And I don't know how I got that so ingrained into me. The only thing I can think of is, I mean, I I am a scripture reader. I am not a scripture studier, I would say, but I read my scriptures every day since ninth grade. Like that's another thing when I start journaling, like that's really got ingrained in me. And it's just so important to me to show God that I am showing up, even if it's five, 10 minutes, whatever I can yeah. get in that day but showing that and putting him first and, yes. and engaging there. So for me, that's really key is just knowing who I am and that he has a plan yeah. for me and he loves me. And I can lean into all of these things because I know those things, because I know yeah. there's a plan because I know he loves me. Second, if you are dealing with somebody who has come out as gay in your family, whether it's a son, daughter, spouse, whoever, a parent, even the first thing I think of always is don't make it about you. Don't go into that mindset of, and speak to them of like, okay, well, how am I going to tell people about this? Or, well, what do I do now with this information? Or uh, how am I going to teach your your nieces and nephews? Or how am I going to teach our children about this? Like, it's real. And I understand the desire to go there. But if you want to create a loving relationship with this person, you need to show them love in that moment without anything else being said or done like just tell them you love them and that you are here for them and that you support them in in how their life looks continuing forward because i honestly believe that there is nothing they are going to feel god's love for them through you if you ever want them to experience that love in its purest truest form we have to be the carriers of that and so if you want them to you know stay in the church and, or just have a good relationship with you. I hesitate saying stay in the church because I, that wasn't my reality and that's okay. Like yeah. that is a hundred percent. Okay. But if you want them to stay close to you, if you want them to continue to be good people, to see their worth and know that they are a good person, because the more they feel that worth and know that they are of worth, they're going to do things that speak to your soul as well. They're yeah. going to stay like Steve. He's still an amazing dad. He still has a great relationship with me. And I firmly believe that's because I spoke to him of his worth during those times and helped him see that and helped him understand that. And that's more important to me than him being a member of the church or being an active member of the church. Like that's, that's more important. We're commanded to love thy neighbor as thyself. And, and for me, that's what it comes down to is I'm going to love people. And so don't make it about you in that moment. Really show up in a way that shows them love deal with your own issues in your own time in your own mind journal about them and write out <laughs> how you can show up but don't don't put them in that situation they're already feeling so much pain so much anguish so they're feeling so much with this and and they're confiding in you they're trusting yes. you with this thing that is so dear to them right and so acknowledge that and i've often say that too say say hey i'm so grateful that you trust me enough to tell me this like i am truly humbled and touched that you would feel safe telling me these things. So that's another thing to Great. say in that moment. If, if you're wanting something to actually say, like, if you're like, Oh my gosh, what do I say? Think about yes. those things. You will have somebody come out to you at some point, <laughs> guaranteed a friend, a loved one, whatever. Right. Yes. And so, yeah, don't make it about you and yeah. Tell them they're loved. Express those things. Oh my goodness, Jessica. Like, honestly, I, 
I just want to sit at your feet and soak in all this knowledge and wisdom. I do. And because of the screen, I'm looking at you, but it looks like I'm looking off in the distance. So I'm like, oh, I wish I was like in person talking with you in real life and and I could give you a hug and just tell you how amazing you are and how much this conversation has meant to me. Thank you. I think you are an incredible example of Christ's love. And I think that your your podcast and your Instagram husband-in-law is showing others that love. I think there's, I've told my kids, I I never want, I never want to be the person or I don't want you to be the people that people wish they were. I don't ever want someone to look at me and feel like I don't like myself because I wish I was more like you. And, and with Instagram and, you know, perfecting our bodies and looking a certain way, it's all about look at me and, and don't you wish you were me? And I never want to be that. I, but I do want people to be able, um, to look at me and want to be more authentic to who they are because they can feel heavenly father's love through me for them. And I'm 100%. sorry. It's emotional. And that's how I feel about you is that people look at you and they see a beautiful person, but they see and maybe feel their heavenly father's love for them through you. And I think that is the most beautiful, authentic, genuine thing we can do in, in this life is just show others heavenly father's love. And what a privilege it is that yes. we get to do that for people because it makes us feel his love for them and and his love for us for showing love to them and their love for us for letting them feel that way. And it's like this beautiful human connection, which really is what this life is about. Yes. Well, thank you. I I hope I'm doing just a little bit of that for somebody somewhere, even if it's just one person, but that I truly believe that, yeah, that's is one of the greatest things we can do. So well. You've done that today for me and I can't wait Thank to you. check out this journal. I'm going to, in fact, get it today. And I'm excited to find out a little bit more about who I am and, and what I want in this life. And, and you've given me so much to think about today. For those of you that want to go and download the journal or or take the course that you were talking about, go to husband in law that is on Instagram and then they can sign up. Can they sign up for the course on there too, on the link tree? So if you are interested in the course, I actually don't sell that online, just, okay. um, but just you can contact, contact me. You can okay. have me for that. Or you can sign up from one of my live lessons. I do have the information about that at the end of the live lesson, which is just Perfect. a free lesson I teach every week about being bold um, and reclaiming your sense of self. I love it. And that's on your podcast, which is husband-in-law. Check it out and listen to Jessica. Thank you so much for all the good you are doing. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside Our Turtle House. At Our Turtle House, there's something for the whole family. From full-leg talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers, to fun family home evening lesson plans that follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. There's even short daily devotionals made specifically for your teens. Plus, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.